Can I let you in on a little something that gives me inspiration and motivation no matter what kind of mood I'm in? Not to mention, it's one of my most favorite parts about being an entrepreneur and watching others become one. It's the impact and legacy created day in and day out by passionate entrepreneurs. I truly find that when someone builds a business from a place of wanting to make a genuine impact, they leave a legacy. In fact, I'd love to ask you, what kind of legacy do you dream of leaving? Do you think about that? Like, what kind of impact would be important for you to make in this world? I don't know if I've thought enough about legacy. So I'm asking you this question because I'm really looking in the mirror saying, all right, Amy, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And whether that means you make an impact on the lives of your children or an audience of 5 million people, no matter what, in my opinion, it's equally important. When I think about the kind of legacy that I could leave for young girls who are just getting out into the work world and giving them this idea that they can do it differently and be their own boss, like that totally lights me up. So if you want to get clear on the impact you want to make and the legacy you want to leave, stick around because my guest is an expert at creating both. And I think you'll find that what she has to say is inspiring and helpful for you as you create your own legacy. I'm Amy Porterfield, and this is Online Marketing Made Easy. All right, so if you're in my audience, my guest name is probably familiar to you. Her name is Amy McLaren, and she's the wife of Stu, a name you also may recognize from many of my past episodes. Amy's a busy mom of two who passionately splits her time between leading Lady Strength, which is an online community of driven entrepreneurial women, growing an Airbnb business, and being the hands-on CEO of Village Impact, the charity she and Stu founded more than a decade ago. When you look at her impressive list of businesses, it's clear she has a whole lot of passion and purpose. But believe it or not, she wasn't always an entrepreneur. In fact, her teaching career left her feeling unfulfilled and is exactly what kickstarted her journey to build something she truly loves. In this podcast episode, Amy and I chat about the myths of living a passion-filled life, which aren't what you would expect and how to create more impact, leave a legacy. We're going to talk about her charity and knowing when you're called to do something bigger and so much more. Amy has also just written her very first book called Passion to Purpose, which we'll also talk about today. We have a lot to cover, so let's get to it. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. 
And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Well, hey there, Amy. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm so thrilled that you're here. And first of all, congrats on your new book. I can't even wait to chat more about that later in this episode, but I'm sure that was a labor of love. Yeah. You know what? That It's funny. That book is probably two and a half years in the making, something like that. <laughs> yes. I, I always hear that when people write a book, they're like, I've been thinking about this book for years and years. And then finally, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's out into the world, which is the most exciting thing. So we're going to talk about that. But first, can you give us a little background about your journey to get to where you are and at this point running multiple passion-led businesses? Give us a little background. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my journey has been influenced by a passion for travel and a desire for helping others. And that all kind of began, I think, growing up. So I grew up in the UK, and now I know I don't sound like it. I don't have a <laughs> British accent. I wish I did now. <laughs> Sometimes it comes out for the record. I've been around you a lot, and you say words that I'm like, wait a second, what was that? So it comes out once in a while. <laughs> yeah, so I, I moved from the UK, I'm Oxford, when I was 10. And so I grew up in the UK, and my family and I traveled a lot when I was little. And I remember having many um, Christmases where sometimes we would have strangers join our Christmas celebrations because um, this particular stranger didn't have, you know, a place to go or a place to eat. And my mom was always so welcoming and bringing people into our family and making sure that those people would have someone that time of year. We did soup kitchens. I remember going to um, homeless shelters as a kid growing up. So it was really kind of ingrained in me young to always think of other people and help other people. And those patterns continued really as I got older. I'm throughout um, high school and then into university. I taught English overseas. I taught in England and Spain. And then I directed international language schools um, in the UK. And I think about that now. I was 23 directing oh like gosh. 800 international kids and 24 staff, which was <laughs> 23 years old. Whoa. I know. I learned I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot during that time. But then I also did my master's in Australia, which I absolutely love too. And I also volunteered a lot during that time. I, I remember living with a, a Thai family when I worked in Thailand. I lived in this little um, this little place right on the river, and they would get their groceries from this little boat that would pat, go by on the river. And I just I just loved it. I loved listening to their conversations at dinner and just being a part of their community. So that kind of came with me throughout the university, and then um, into my early twenties, and then I think this kind of whole idea came to like, a, not a halt, but like a, a big change for me was when Stu and I, my now husband, as you know, <laughs> we were sitting on the couch and we were watching Oprah's Big Give. And I don't, do you remember that show? Did you oh, ever watch yes. that show? Right. Yes. And it's such a good show. And we would watch it. And for those that are listening, that if you've never heard of that show, Oprah did the show where she basically go into a community and transform a family's life. And I, Stu and I were watching it and we would watch it. I would drink my wine. I would cry and Stu would cry too. <laughs> and I would say, I said, you know, like I, I want to do that, but I want to do it at an international level because with me, it's always been that travel, like that, that thirst for different cultures and learning more about other people. So I said to Stu that night, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like I want to, I want to be Oprah. I mean, because who doesn't want to be Oprah, right? But I, I want to be Oprah, but I, I want to do it overseas. 
And he's, he was like, okay. He's like, but when do you want to do this, Amy? And I'm like, well, um, Christmas, because at that time I was teaching full time and Christmas was the only time of the year that I could get away um, for a holiday. Now, bear in mind, this was like mid-December. So this wasn't oh, like my God. <laughs> This was like mid-December. And he looks at me, he's like, really? And I'm like, well, well, yeah, like I'm not waiting. And he says, okay. So he's like, okay. And I said, well, you're, you're the, you know, you're the business guy. I'm like, can you figure out how to raise the money? And I will sort out the travel and all the details. And he's like, right. But we did it. And in two weeks, we did what was called now a webinar, which would be like a teleseminar in those days. And we had six of our entrepreneurial friends share their predictions for that upcoming year. This was like 10 years ago, like the upcoming year. And they shared what their predictions would be. And people paid money to be on the call to listen to these predictions for the new year. And we raised $14,000 in like 24 hours. It was crazy, right? And I was like, yes. So then we flew down to El Salvador. Um, We helped an orphanage there. We lived with an El Salvadoran family up on a mountain in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's lots of stories that come with that. But I mean, that was really the first beginnings of what is now I created, which was Village Impact. Um, so that was kind of like how Village Impact started. But I know, like you had said, I'm very multi-passionate. I have a lot of passion-led businesses, which I'm sure maybe you can relate to or other people where we have different passions, right? Yes, yes. So I, I mixed that traveling into other businesses. So now I have a Lady Strength business where I, it's called Lady Strength, and I take women on adventure trips, um, travel adventure trips. And you know my kind of travel. It's... <laughs> Okay. I have to tell you all, Amy invited me on one of these lady strength trips. And when she told me they were going to be in an RV, I said, I will politely pass because I am not adventurous like that, but you are, but you make it luxury. Yeah, no, I, you know what it's, we, we do a bit of both. So I do, I did an an RV trip and then I've also done like riding motorcycles across the African (laughs) desert, which is maybe a bit more crazy. But it's for me, it's all about pushing yourself out of the comfort zone while traveling and having these experiences while bonding with with other women. So that's kind of like the lady strength business. And then my 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 latest one that I'm super excited about is um, I started a luxury Airbnb. And it's again, that love for creating experiences for people. So I've created a luxury Airbnb. It's at Dover Lake House on Instagram. And I, I just love doing it. And I started it last summer. And we're super host status, like doing all these amazing little things and for people that are coming to stay in our, our Airbnb. And I just, that just gives me so much joy. <laughs> so it's I, beautiful, by the way, I love, you. I loved watching you create that and bring that Airbnb together. And then it's really fun to see people enjoy it now that it's all done. That's a great Instagram account. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So that's, that's in a nutshell. I have the three, the three in a sense where it's the charity for the giving, the giving, and then I also have that creating experiences through travel, which is my lady strength. And now my latest one being my Airbnb. Okay. So let's go back a little bit because how did you know that you were being called to do more than working as a school teacher? Because my sister's a school teacher and that in of itself is a huge job. So how did you get to the point that you thought, you know what, there's more I want to do. There's more I can do in like the courage to actually do it. Yeah, totally. So like you said, teacher, being a teacher is an amazing profession and hands down to all the teachers because it is hard work. Um, but yeah, I taught grade one for 10 years. Um, and you know what? I, I kind of, I would sit in my classroom and I would constantly be thinking of like 
tra- my travel experiences or going overseas or living with other families and and learning about these different cultures and it was like constantly on my mind like I could never I could never get rid of it and I I would always push it down or I'd always say no I I should be happy I should be happy I have a job as a teacher and in Canada like teachers are um paid a lot more than they are in the United States and they are really well respected with pension plans like there's all kinds of great benefits to being a teacher like when I got my teaching position 4000 people applied and like you are be lucky to get a job as a teacher so um I was just so grateful for that but I I kept pushing it down because of all these supposed positive things from it. It wasn't making me happy and it wasn't filling me up. And I was coming home every day, like disgruntled and dreaming about other things and not there. I think what held me back for a long time too, is like the fear of what to do next. Do you know what I mean? Because I bet there's people out there, right? That, you know, maybe it's, if it's not a job, it's a relationship you're stuck in, or it's, you know, a bad client and you just, you don't know what to do. So you sit in it. And then I think I sat in it to a point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I began to transition slowly out of it. So I first took a part-time leave. So I went down to part-time. Um, and then I took a year off, obviously when I had Marla, our daughter, and then I kind of just didn't go back. So I think it, it kind of got to a point where I decided not to ignore it because I think it's like your intuition. It's like my friend, Lisa Kay, she's an intuition coach. And it's, it kept coming up and it kept showing. And I think that's so important to listen to that and to listen to your feelings and, and not ignore it because yes. if you, it's, you know, and I think of now and I, and I kind of wish now that I had listened sooner than I did and didn't sit in fear and didn't wait because maybe I would have built more schools or I would have more Airbnbs or, you know, who, who knows, but I'm I'm glad I did make the move and it just takes it does take a lot of courage, but I think sometimes if you start small and then build on that, it helps. Yeah, it's so true. And our stories are similar in the sense that I I talk a lot about getting into entrepreneurship where I too went part-time. Well, first I started working from home at my corporate job. Then I went part-time. Then I finally took the leap. I was a consultant, so I had clients. And then I eventually let go of the clients to do digital courses full-time. So I do believe in those baby steps. So I, I love that you shared that. But I want to ask you about some common myths of living a passion-filled life and business because there are some myths around this. So talk to me about that. Yeah, for sure. So I think there are um, essentially three myths. The first one being that, you know, to live this passionate filled life, it it costs like so much money. And it's not true because like I traveled through Asia and Europe and I did it on a shoestring budget. Like I didn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars or even thousands of dollars when I was in university. Um, so I do think there's a way that you can incorporate your passion that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Like I remember um, my early days volunteering too and like paying to volunteer and live with these host families and travel. So I think that's a myth. The second one is that it's time consuming. I think that's a big thing too. It's not time consuming. I mean, you're putting joy into your life. You want to follow those passions and they don't have to take all day. They could take five minutes of your time a week or five minutes a day to do something that you're passionate about. And then I think the other one is that the third one being that, you know, people think that it's kind of like your passion is a side job. Do you know what I mean? Or a side hustle. It can't become like something that will bring you income. Um, And I think that's wrong too, because I mean, like you and I, we're very, very fortunate to be surrounded by women and men that have 
use their passion not only to do more good in the world, which I love, it also brings in income. Like I think of my friend Michelle who loves crafting and she has this bustling crafting business where she has a crafting membership doing a craft once a week and she absolutely loves it. You know, or there's Tamara Bennett that my husband talks about a lot for memberships and she has a membership on how to make decorative door hangers. And she like all these little things, I think that you can, you can make a business out of them if you truly love them. It's so true. Now, okay, so let's talk about that. So, so many people want to create an online business and want it to be passion-led, and they're not really sure if what they love and what they want to do could be a business. So how can someone unlock their passion within their life? Whether that becomes a business or not, some people get stuck here. So how do you unlock your passion? Yeah, like I think some people get um, you're right. Like they get stuck too, because le- they may have been passionate about things in early life and then they get kind of stuck or like life takes over. They have kids or, you know, they get a, the, the company's taking off or they're working on their job. Um, so something that I've, I've done before is what I like to call a passion timeline. And it's like just taking a step back and like taking 20 minutes and sitting down and taking out a piece of paper and drawing just a straight line. And going up in increments to your age, so say maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, um, however old you are, and then looking back, because when you look back at those things that you really, truly loved, I bet there would be a common theme, or maybe you've forgotten about those things that you did when you were 20 that really lit you up. So it's identifying those things that um, in the past and and what you like right now too. And And then you've got to start to be intentional. You have to take time to put that into your life somehow. So whether that's, you know, taking a class once a week or reading a book about something or connecting with another individual or another person that likes the same things that you do. And thirdly, you got to commit, right? You've got to yes. commit. You have to commit. If you don't commit, nothing happens. You've got to commit. And it's starting with committing, like I said, with five minutes a day, five minutes a week, but you have to commit to something to incorporate that passion into your life. Ah, So very true. Okay. So with that, can you give us some tips? Because I know you've had these experiences in your own life along this journey of creating what you've created. Any tips for getting out of your comfort zone and really just kicking self-doubt to the curb? When I think of self-doubt, I it reminds me of our adoption journey. And, and you know, we have, so we have our daughter, Marla, who's 10 and she's my biological daughter. And I have a little guy named Sam who's seven and we adopted Sam from South Africa and our international adoption journey was not, not an easy one. Um, It took, as you know, um, eight years to adopt Sam, eight years. I remember that journey thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? Stu used to talk about it a lot when I was in a peer mastermind with him years ago and it felt like it was just not going to happen. Yeah, no. And it, I mean, eight years when you think it's crazy, right? So the agency that we first started to use was charged with fraud. And then basically I hit 30 and we wanted to have our own kids too. So we had Marla and then we picked up the papers again and we started again. But all in this journey, I mean, it was hard. It was an, I was an emotional roller coaster for like all of those years. Cause like you said, it was like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Then I started doubting myself. Then I had, friends and friends and even family say, and it was all out of love. I mean, but it didn't, it didn't help in some ways because some, like I remember um, even my mom saying, why don't you just have another one of your own? And, 
you know, or why don't you adopt domestically or, and, but I didn't, we didn't want to like with all my whole life, it's all been international travel. Right. So I'm like, no, like I really, we really, really want to adopt. And we just kind of stuck to it and stuck to it. But the more and longer it went, the more voices of other people's thoughts and opinions became more amplified. And then, you know, and then you really begin to feel like, am I doing the right thing? Is this really silly to wait eight years? Like, how crazy am I? Um, I mean, even before I jumped on this podcast with you, right? I'm, I'm like reading all of my notes and then I'm like panicking and I'm like, oh, it's Amy. I don't want to mess it up. She's so great. Aww. And like, but you do, you begin to have these self doubt and it's, oh, yeah. and it's hard. So some things that I've kind of reminded myself in the past is one, like, it, you know, are, is it somebody else's mindset that you've got in your head and not yours? Like I think of my friend Alyssa and I actually asked Alyssa to come on my, one of my trips that I did in Morocco, um, where we drove motorcycles across the desert for eight days. So for eight, we, they basically dropped us off at one spot in Morocco and said, you have eight days to get to Marrakesh on a 50cc small motorcycle. And we didn't, we, we didn't have, we didn't have any places to stay. You just have to get from point A to point B in eight days. So I'd asked her to come with us because I'm like, I think you'd really like it. And she's like, oh, I don't know, maybe. And then she never did. And we talked about that later um, when I got back and we were chatting. And she's like, you know what? She's like, I think I know why I didn't come. And I'm like, how come? She's like, well, she's like, it's my dad. My dad My dad said that I shouldn't go and that I wasn't allowed to go because it's too dangerous. And, and, and then when we talked about it, we realized that it's her dad had these, he, he doesn't like, he's never traveled a lot internationally. He's never done a lot of things like that. And that scares him. So he's passed this scared, like mindset down to her about international travel. And it's like, I mean, yes, it is a bit extreme going across Morocco on a motorbike. I agree. But it's, it's, it's all this mindset that was coming from her dad. Then, and then she said to me, she's like, you know what? I kind of wish I did come with you. I should have came with you and listened to me rather than listening to somebody else. So I think it's just making sure that we always come back to to ourselves and to what we feel in our heart and what we believe and try as much as we can to block out some of those thoughts that have come from other people and not and it's all out of love but it's again it's pro- that that her dad's feelings probably came from his mom and dad. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I think they all come from people out of love but sometimes they can hold us back. So that is definitely one thing where someone else's mindset the other thing I think is, you know, reframing something and asking different questions. Because I think when we reframe our questions, it turns our brain on and we think in a productive way. Um, so just asking yourself some different questions. And then lastly, it's, you know, it's monitoring that self-talk. I mean, we all have it. Yes. <laughs> you know, right? We our head just says all these crazy things that aren't true. But you think of like all these different worst case scenarios or um, you know, what might happen and it rarely does happen. <laughs> um, so it's making sure monitoring those things that you're saying to yourself are more on the positive outcome than the negative. Okay. So totally agree with that. And I'm curious what you think, because you've had such experience in this area, how can entrepreneurs use what they're passionate about to create more impact? Yeah. So, you know what, I think that can be done in two ways. And the first way being consistency and the second being collaboration. And consistency, I think it really is got to do with your message and your action. You know, like I think about when I started 
um, Village Impact years ago, I mean, <laughs> we were all over the place. We were helping with water. We were doing meal programs. We were doing all these different things and it became complicated. And it, be- it became complicated because when we were sharing what we were doing, no one really understood. And like, we didn't really know and the message wasn't clear and it was confusing for people that were following us or people that were asking about what we were doing. So now, I mean, it's fully revolved around education and entrepreneurship. So we've totally kind of zoned in and changed that now to one thing. But I think definitely having a clear message and clear action steps into what you're doing. So when you're explaining your message about what you do, it's clear for people listening and they understand what you do and then they can help you. They can buy your programs or courses because they understand and know what you what it is that you do or you're known for. The other one is probably my favorite being collaboration because I love nothing more than like working together um, on my lady strength programs with the women in my mastermind or the, um, the group trips that we do. But then also with our charity, like working together, we go further. I mean, when I think of the what we've built in Kenya with Village Impact, it's all been relationship building. It's all been built really through the Kenyan community. And I've just been lucky to be a part of it <laughs> because with our school, we have partnered with the Kenyan government for our school. So we've built 14 schools and those schools are actually sustained by the government. So we work with the government where they pay the teacher salaries. They basically run them. Um, but we come in um, working again with our team on the ground and Irene, who has her own Kenyan NGO on the ground too. So we work with all these groups of people within Kenya to create what we have, the Village Impact. And we go so much further when we work together, when we learn from each other, and and we learn about ourselves too when we're working with people like that. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. I want to switch gears just a bit because I know that you and I have talked about this topic before, and I want you to talk a little about it here well, let's talk about the word legacy, because especially when you're thinking about, you know, your passions and where you want to make an impact, legacy comes up. And I'm curious, what does leaving a legacy really mean? Like when you think about that, what would you say to that? What does leaving a legacy mean? Yeah, I, I love, you know, what I, I love this word. I think it's so important for so many reasons. But first of all, I think, you know, creating a legacy is it's not created in one act. I, I kind of like thinking about it as friendship. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you don't want a friend that just shows up one time. You want a true friend that shows up to celebrate with you, to you know be there when times are tough. Because legacies like that, it's not just one act. You could build a, um, build a building and put your name on it and not to, I mean, that's amazing. But I also think it's all these little actions and, and how we choose to live our life on a daily basis that add up to our legacy. Like it makes me think of, um, you know, my, my daughter, Marla, that's 10. And there's nothing more important to me for her to see me living my life and to see me showing her what's possible for her life by, by her watching me live mine. Like, that is also in building our legacy. It's it's the pleases, it's the thank yous, it's the little things we do every day that lead to creating your legacy in life. Yes. And I know I love that, you know, I'm a huge fan of Marla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that she gets to watch you and Stu do what you do because there's no way that girl is not going to make change in this world after seeing what her parents have done with their businesses and with your charitable causes. Like it's 
it's I say she could be president of the United States. <laughs> we will see. So I tell her that all the time. I think she'll be the most bossiest. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Oh, that's man. even the word bossiest. I don't even know. <laughs> She's the greatest. I hope she is. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers. And I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so how do you take what you're doing as an entrepreneur and use it to fill up your cup and give you a sense of personal fulfillment? Yeah, so on the charity side, for me, it's just learning from um, my team in Kenya. It's working with them and collaborating on projects together. Um, that really does fill me up. I'm, we haven't been back to Kenya with COVID now in a couple of years, but well, a year and a half, I guess. But um, I really miss that, like just bonding with them. And Zoom's great, but nothing's better than being in person with people, as we all know. Yeah. And with Lady Strength, it's being on these crazy trips and seeing women come so nervous to be a part of it. But when they leave, they have so much confidence. And then they take that confidence and they build businesses. Like on our RV trip, I think of um, my friend Jen that has an earring subscription business now. Um, where she has earrings delivered to every four months. And they're these beautiful earrings. And that was born in a hot tub in one of the RV parks that we were at. I love those stories. <laughs> so it's like, and then there's one, the other one from that RV trip again too. One of the women, she's starting um, wild retreats. And there's all kinds of stories that come up because they, they've given the time and seeing them thrive in their business, but then also in their relationships because they've taken that time to kind of grow themselves is huge for me. And then of course, it's with, with my luxury Airbnb. I love, love, love reading the reviews. And I am I just love seeing the reviews and what the little things that guests have liked that I've done in the lake house or um, so that kind of fills my bucket on that side. I love thinking about ways to fill your bucket. I have this box, it's this big plastic box, and it's all the thank you cards that I've ever received since starting this business. And there have been times when things got really tough over the last 12 years, and I would take out that box, and I would remind myself that I am making an impact, and I have touched people's lives. And that box is really special to me. So Taking a minute to realize the impact you have made and what you have done is a great way to fill your cup. So I love that you brought that up. Okay, Amy, I want you to tell us about your new book, Passion to Purpose. So exciting. And I want you to talk about why you wrote this book and the good that you know it will do in this world and where we can get our hands on it. 
Thank you so much. It, yes, comes out August 10th. You can find out more about it on passiontopurposebook.com. And I have lots of cool bonuses there that you can check out. Um, but I wrote this book because, you know, Stu and I speak a lot on stage together. Sometimes it's myself. I am, I get way more nervous, you know, <laughs> than, than my husband does on stage. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to do, but I do it because I want to spread the word. And I also want to show my daughter um, that, you know, you've got to face those fears. But that aside, after I would come off stage, a lot of women and men would talk to me about, you know, how I started the charity and how I came about it and what I did. But the thing is, and what I want everybody to know is that you don't have to start a nonprofit to make an impact. You don't have to start your own business to make an impact. You can have an impact on someone's life by doing the smallest little things. And you can do that by using your passion. And passion of purpose is all about using your passion to do more good in the world. And like I said, you don't have to start a charity. You could you don't have to start a business. You can have an impact on someone's life just by doing small things using your passion. So maybe it's a free art lesson or it's, you know, just saying please and thank you or sharing your passion activity with your friends or your family so it lights them up. There's so many things that you can do with it. Oh, so true. Okay. So just so you all know, I'm going to link to Amy's book in the show notes as well. But again, passiontopurposebook.com. Go check it out. Get your hands on it. And Amy, thanks so much for being on the show. I truly appreciate it. Oh, no. Thank you, Amy. It's so great to chat. What a beautiful conversation. I've seen time and time again that when my students get clear on their passion, the impact they want to make, and the legacy they want to leave, big things start to happen. It's almost like everything starts to fall into place. So here's my challenge to you. Number one, grab a pen and a paper and then get cozy. Sit somewhere quiet and I want you to answer these three questions. Number one, what am I passionate about? Number two, what impact do I want to make? And number three, what legacy do I want to leave? What am I passionate about? What impact do I want to make, both personally and professionally? It doesn't have to be all about business. And then what legacy do I want to leave? I feel like that last question is so important, something I think I need to think about even more. So let Amy's words throughout this conversation inspire you, get to journaling, answering these questions, and I want to hear from you. So if you're so bold, take a picture of your answers, post them on social media, tag me. I'm at Amy Porterfield on Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time on social, or DM me on Instagram and share with me maybe one of your answers to one of the three questions. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. I also want to let you know that all proceeds for Amy's book, Passion to Purpose, are going toward building a girl's school. So all the proceeds go to building a girl's school. And it's the first one she's ever done. I'm really excited about this. So just know if you do purchase the book, it's going to a good cause. So passiontopurposebook.com or details in our show notes. All right, my friends, I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.